I literally couldn't have imagined this. I think it's one thing for you to dream about being big and like being able to monetize your videos and actually make a living off of it. And there's another thing like it actually happening, which is surreal. This week on the Colin and Samir podcast, we're joined by Yes Theory's head editor, Thomas Daher. On this episode, we talk about the ups and downs of what it's like to be a full-time editor. And Thomas, or as we call him, TD, has been editing full-time for four years now. And in those four years, Yes Theory has built an audience of over 4 million subscribers. And TD has edited videos that have gotten over 416 million views on YouTube alone, including a number of videos that have done over 10 million views. And that's an incredible feat. Editing is one of the most important crafts in filmmaking, especially on YouTube. It's where the story comes together, and it's what separates the good channels from the great ones. Some creators take on the edits themselves, and some bring on others to help tell their stories. The bottom line is, without editing, the films don't get made. Editing is also where a lot of creators tend to burn out. Long hours, not much sleep, no physical activity, creative roadblocks, software problems, the list goes on. Earlier this year, we worked with TD on a documentary for Yes Theory's channel called Frozen Alive. And during that time, we connected over our love-hate relationship with the craft of editing. And that's a big part of what we explore on the show today. We also cover other topics, including personal fulfillment, time and relationship management as a creator, and how it feels to be the guy behind the guys. That'll make more sense when you listen to the episode. All right, we hope you enjoy this episode of the Colin and Samir podcast featuring Thomas Daher. So we have a saying around here, around this office, whenever we work together, save it for the pod. Yes. And here we are. Wow. So, so let it all out. Let it all out. The amount of conversations that have been cut like short by at least 10 minutes. Well, we don't want to have a great conversation in real life when we could just have it on the pod. Right. So whenever we feel like we're getting into something that might be kind of juicy, we say, you know, hey, mm-hmm. stop. Save it for the pod. If I'm going to have a conversation, I'm going to monetize it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, life as yeah. much as you can. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. And so here we are doing just that. Wow. So it is Sunday right now, and we've been together editing for the past week, and it's not the first time that we've done this together mm-hmm. uh, we got to spend a great week together in this office editing frozen alive which was the movie about wim hof that we did with you guys um so why don't you introduce yourself and just give us a little bit of background for sure my name is thomas daher aka titty and that's td <laughs> yeah it's td just to be clear yeah. the way that came about was basically my initials are td and since i came here and there's already a thomas one of us had to change our name and definitely wasn't going to be him so Cool. There I stood up. Yeah. Um, and basically, three years ago, I joined on. I'm Matt's younger brother, and I was doing, I was studying math at McGill um, University uh, for two years, and then in the summer of 2016, he basically said, "Hey, we need an editor," and I was telling him how much I hated school, so I flew out to LA, and within the first week I got there, they're like, "Yep, you should drop out and join us," and uh, it's been three years. And so just to be clear, that's, uh, he's talking about Yes Theory and when Matt, yeah. his older brother, they were, they were starting Yes Theory. Um, so 
I, I just want to rewind quite a bit and say, were you editing before or because you were in college at the time? Like, what was the mm-hmm. how did you yeah. how did you get into to video editing? I'd been editing since I was like 12 or 13. Like I was known as the video guy Got in it. like middle school and high school. Like the option was either write an essay or make a video. And I was like, I hate writing. So bam, video it is. And then from like until I was 19, I'd been just editing my own stuff, just like having fun with it and just making little videos, videos with my friends and just goofing around. And um, I don't know. I just kind of love movies and I love I think for me, like high school was very interesting time for me because I was very introverted and I felt the only way I could express myself because I only speak in references, as you guys probably know, mm-hmm. um, to only, like fully express myself was to make these references via video and video editing. So I felt like I was expressing more of myself that way. Um, I just kept doing it until college. So a lot of what we see in Yes Theory videos is like the interjection of a, a famous scene from a, a movie. Mm hmm. Is that something that you were doing when you were editing when you were like 14, 15? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's something I've always done, just like even speaking with people. Right. Yeah. And and was that influenced by watching YouTube growing up? Did you watch YouTube growing up? For sure, yeah. I watched all the big channels. Like, like Colin and Samir. Like the Colin and Samir. Oh my gosh, yeah. like all the Colin and Samir videos. Yeah, Lacrosse Network. <laughs> yeah, huge fan. Love lacrosse. What a, yeah. what a sport. <laughs> I remember seeing you in the comments. Yeah. yeah. But what? So what were the channels that you watched when you were growing up? I was watching Smosh, Nigga Higa, um, yeah, Kev Jumba. Uh, who else was around then? Ray William Johnson when he was at his prime. Wow. And he makes interesting Facebook videos. <laughs> That's old school. Yeah. So I was around since I like since it started basically Philip DeFranco when he first started too. I always find that interesting because you know obviously our age difference is almost 10 years. So mm-hmm. you know we didn't grow up watching YouTube and it's all like somewhat new to us. I and mean honestly half of those I mean maybe half of those people I don't even really know. Really? Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh interesting. Damn. Yeah, I mean I, I mean, when, when we started on YouTube in 2012, I that had was no the... idea what YouTube was. Right. Wow. I didn't know what YouTube was until like three or four years in and then i was like oh i'm on you i'm on youtube he was uploading like, to vimeo uh, yeah i was a vimeo Dude. guy <laughs> are you okay <laughs> yeah okay how's the adsense on that baby <laughs> yeah, it's tough times it's hard to monetize that so um, I, I, yeah. I you know one of the things that i i was really excited about about having this conversation and as i thought about it on the way over here was it, it's so fascinating to talk to you and be here behind the scenes as you're making um, you know, what goes into a Yes Theory video. And primarily because there's so much adventure craziness um, that happens in a Yes Theory video. And Yes Theory as a brand is is rapidly growing right now. Mm-hmm. And the guys, uh, their visibility is growing quite a bit. They're just, there's a lot happening with the brand. And I think obviously what happens in here on a day-to-day basis is not something that's seen by the, by the 4 million people that subscribe to the channel. For sure. But... For you, it's it's your life. Mm-hmm. It's what you live is the the kind of insides of the brand and how it all comes together. And for such an adventurous brand, of course, you've been on a lot of the adventures, but a lot of the times you're the guy putting together the adventure for other people to witness. Right. I, I'm really curious about from the beginning when Matt said, hey, why don't you start editing? What were your expectations of that whole thing? Like, what was your expectation when your brother was like, hey, man, you should you should edit our videos? Right. Well, I think when I first saw them make Project 30 and make, like, the first year of content without 
me having joined like i was i kept saying to my parents i was like stop yelling at matt like this is this is what youtube is missing right now like he understand like th these guys are doing something different and mm -hmm. like i think it's really gonna work out like i can't like they're gonna blow up any day now and obviously it took some time but i always yeah knew that they'd be successful because i'd been around youtube and saw that they weren't no one else is doing that so, so at, yeah. at that early stage then like when when he was doing project 30 did you like want to be a part of it no i don't i never really wanted to be in on camera and that was the thing is like like i was almost too shy to be on camera that i just much rather prefer expressing myself through these funny little edits that i, that I do like these quirky black and white you know sad montages <laughs> that i'll throw in videos to you roast did people. that to me one time i did that to the you the first time i was in a yes theory video i got it's roasted by so you. scary to be in a yeah. yes theory video <laughs> yeah because well it's a nice way to take out my anger on people You're just like <laughs> extremely <laughs> passive aggressive <laughs> okay um, so yeah so you were saying that you, you never really wanted to be on camera right my expectation was never to be on camera um and it was almost like perfect because i didn't want to be on camera and here I could still make videos and not have to do that. So it was like almost the perfect scenario for a really long time, at least for like the first few years. Um, so right when you joined, you were like, oh, this this is going to blow up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were all convinced it was going to blow up super fast. And it I mean, it did, but it took some time, like longer than we all thought almost. But it's happened. But it's happened. Also, when you say longer than you've thought, sometimes it's tough for me to fully wrap my mind around the fact that What's the full length of how long Yes Theory's been around? Yes Theory's been around for four years. Four That's years. Nothing. Four but, years is yeah. nothing. At the time, it felt like... I know it feels course. like a lot, but I, sometimes I think of businesses and ideas you, in their timeline, think of it as like a child. Like mm -hmm. Yes Theory is like four years old. And right. this could be around for a hundred years. Like think about how early this is. That's all right. It's fine. The guys are That's walking fine. in right now. Yeah, we're we're in the middle of their office, so things are going to be happening in here. Probably pause it. Yeah, like oh. parents. Okay, Got we're gonna, we're going to pause and come right back. Maybe this is a good time for um, the sponsor of today's episode. And we're back. Woo. Well, yeah, we're sitting in your guys' new Venice office, which is a really incredible space, and it's like kind of the embodiment of all the work that's gone into this and where you guys are as a brand. And we were sitting right here yesterday when you crossed 4 million subscribers. Mm -hmm. And what we were just talking about was the expectation when you had joined as an editor and that you had the expectation that this would blow up. Right. What did, what did that mean to you in your mind? Like, what did you, did you envision this life right now? Like what, what were you envisioning? Yeah. Good question. I, it's I literally couldn't have imagined this um I think it's one thing for you to dream about being big and like being able to monetize your videos and actually make a living off of it and there's another thing like it actually happening which is surreal um and I feel like all of us haven't really fully processed that and we all just like kind of go with the flow of it and you know continue with our lives but it takes a lot of reflecting and being like, wow, I can't believe we actually made it here to, to really appreciate it. So, I mean, this office is a dream. Yeah. How much, how much ownership do you feel over the brand? Um, it's a good question. I think the brand is mainly the guys because I was never like, you know, the adventure seeker, go getter, um, you know, extrovert. 
as they are in the videos and as they are, you know, in every day. So I'm, I'm more like behind the scenes. Um, and I do think I have a big impact on the brand in terms of the tone and the pace of the videos, like making it more fun, jokey, and like telling a good story is all really important. But in terms of like the ideology, I do support it and I am part of it, but it wasn't like my idea. It was more the, the three guys idea when they started. And then I've kind of been, I think of myself as like the, uh, like the nitrous boost almost in fast and furious to like help them get to that mm. point faster. Yeah. It's really interesting. Cause I, I was, I think I was talking to, um, Zach or, or maybe someone else here about it, but without the post-production team, now there's a team of people upstairs without the post-production team, like the message gets caught up, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, it does, it can't distribute as fast. Right. And something I think is so interesting about filmmaking in general is that editors really are like the, especially in unscripted entertainment, which is what we're all doing. YouTube is typically unscripted or at least in the world that we all play in. Um, that's all made in the edit. Like once the footage is back, yes, the adventure and the experience is spectacular, but it's all kind of like put together and the message is crafted and it's ensured that it's on brand on the computer and then distributed out to the people. Totally. And and that's, I think, why when Colin says, like, uh, at least when he said that, what I thought was, like, man, like, the you're, like, the final checkpoint of the brand to the people. Like, you're you're in the middle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you're right in the middle. Like, you're yeah. the filter. Totally. Honestly, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking because, you know, the guys can mess up filming and they can mess up the idea and, like, move around there. But I can't mess up because I'm the last, you know, barrier. And when I do mess up, everyone knows. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like the amount of typos I put into videos and people comment being like, oh, who's editing this? Like, There's a typo at 3.05, you idiot. I'm like, oh, I was up until 2 a.m. doing that. I just didn't see it. <laughs> um, yeah, it is a bit nerve wracking. But, you know, I've come to like accept failure as part of the process. Even like with our doc, with the Wim Hof thing. There's a famous five seconds of black. Hmm. Wow, it's interesting that you brought it up. That Colin is still very sensitive about. Can't even watch the video anymore. But I've moved past it because I've, you know, screwed up so many times in the past that I know it doesn't really matter that much. You guys all moved past that very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. We had to, though. I mean, I think you and I, though, Colin and I, we're different because we don't put out as much as you guys. Mm -hmm. You have to move yeah. Because even right now, I'm watching you for the past week. You're jumping from video to video to video. Right when you're done, you pressed publish today. You'll take some time today. But then tomorrow, you're back on. Literally. There's like five videos that need to be made and a documentary out of this space. So it doesn't stop, right? You you have to have a short memory. It's literally, it's these past few years have almost gone by in a blur. Because right. I, and although we have taken breaks, mainly when we burn out, but. I really never get the opportunity to like sit back and look at the videos that I've made. Amar is actually the only one that really watches our videos because he's, he just loves it so much and he loves watching the process take place and loves like watching the product that we made. But since I've seen that video hundreds of times, I I'm already over it and have to focus on the next one to get it out on time. So, I mean, honestly, I haven't had a Saturday off in months. (laughs) Yeah. And in terms of burnout, which is a, I think a pretty regular theme in both in the modern filmmaker, especially because the modern filmmaker doesn't make one movie a year. Mm -hmm. Modern filmmaker makes one to two a week. And 
that is the it's it's you're cramming like so much effort into such a short amount of time and i think a, a great example of that and probably a time where i experienced with you that that feeling of of stress and burnout was when we did the the wim hof documentary yep. um yeah and, for me that was like at the end of a huge like binge of editing like i'd already been editing for weeks before that and then all of a sudden it was like make this documentary in a week and we were staying up until two in the morning like most nights just panicking and you know that was the only thing i was thinking about so after that documentary came out i literally like drove five hours away and spent the next four days just alone with my girlfriend <laughs> in the mountains just turned off everything it was like oh my god <laughs> oh my god yeah i mean that was that was crazy though that was that was one of the crazier things i think we've done as well i mean yeah. you threw a chair at colin at you one did. point i did do that i don't think you meant it right <laughs> well <laughs> right did he? you know things happen at, at okay. one in the morning well, i mean tensions were high well, it was more like an enthusiastic yeah, yeah. chair throw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it, was, you were, it was joy. Yeah, it was more joy was coming than, my way. than but anger. I, yeah, I remember thinking about that when we were doing that because I, I think we had, we'd come into that and it was very challenging for us as well. But I was thinking about my life surrounding that movie and it, I hadn't experienced those six days prior to that. But I think you came in basically doing the exact same thing. Yeah. For, for months almost, right? Mm -hmm. Like I was I was already like burnt out by the time I started. And that's honestly how I feel right now with this <laughs> new doc. <laughs> August 11th, yestheory.com uh, yeah. slash documentary. It'll <laughs> be great. So yeah, we, we're working on a new doc, but I, this is a much different process right now. Sure. There's more people, there's more time. Uh, but it's just as, I mean, it's it's still an intense mm -hmm. Uh, task not as intense as, as the Wim Hof but yeah yeah it's the same kind it's of an intense ballpark. task so what is your you know it's, you can kind of hear it right now and you and I were talking about this a little bit the other night um, but what is your relationship to editing and filmmaking and how has it changed since you were 14 hmm I think when I was 14 to like 19 so the time before yes theory I saw it as like an escape from you know school or life and just like a place that I could truly express myself freely and not, you know, worry about what anyone thought because, like, who's going to see these videos anyways? It's more of, like, an outlet. Um, but when I joined Yes Theory, it was awesome because I could finally, like, have an audience of people to, like, critique me and find things funny and laugh with me, almost, like, feel more connected to people who are laughing at my jokes that I couldn't express vocally, you know? Like, these references, I love doing that because I, I just... Love catching people by surprise with, with these little quirky things in the videos. Um, now it's been three years since I started editing. And it's weird because like every time I stop, I crave it. Because it gives me that feeling of you know, fulfillment and satisfaction once it's done. Like for me, the best part of my week is Sundays. Because like I've accomplished something and the time there's no time like um thinking about the next video like i can wait till monday to think about it but for this time i feel successful and i almost need editing to feel successful currently which is really weird because it also is a thing that is kind of making me burn out and go crazy so it is a very love hate kind of thing where i need it but also realize that if i do too much of it it's gonna burn me I'm sure you're in a similar boat, Colin. Yeah, no, I think about that a lot. And and 
whenever we think about going to get jobs, I think a lot about my skill set. And I just think, man, I'm, I know I'm best at editing, mm. but I can't, I don't know if I can commit to doing that for like the rest of my life. No, uh, sometimes yeah. I look down, like I, I, I always think, Oh, when I'm older, I'm not going to edit, but that, I'm already like old. <laughs> I'm getting there. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's just one of those lifestyle things where I think like, Oh, this is okay now, mm-hmm. but it can't be my future. But right. then again, it is the one thing that like when it's the thing that you uh, do feel confident and makes you feel successful, you do want to do it more. But in this instance, it's, it's just, it's like, how do I find the balance that, that instead of this like up and down all the time of mm. like editing myself into an absolute hole where it really affects my life mentally. Yeah. And then it brings me back up. There's no middle ground for me in editing. So why, why don't we also talk a little bit about why? And, and one thing that's really interesting is we've seen, were you, I don't know if you were with us, but we went to go see Robert Greene, who's an author, speak with, with Brian Holiday. Mm-hmm. And Robert Greene said something that I think has stuck with us a lot. He said, having a book is awesome, but making a book sucks. Like writing a book sucks. Like the process of writing is so incredibly challenging. Um, but once you have it, you're like, this is the best thing ever. I'm I want to do this again. Right. It's like that addictive feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to just define a little bit for maybe some people who are creatives but don't know as much about the editing process. Like, why is it so grueling? What is about it that that it makes you burn out? Mm-hmm. If you're not in, in video editing, if you're not in filmmaking, you won't realize just how much work it is. Like, for us, we shoot about, I'd say, four to six hours of footage per video. And these are cut down to like, 10 to 15 minutes and that needs to be like a cohesive storyline there needs to be like you know music that transitions people in and out and like intros and outros and just needs to be condensed in a well-told story and i think that it's almost like uh the analogy i kind of use in my head is it's like wrestling a beast you know like you're just trying to like pack it into to one concrete thing and you get to like make sure all the edges aren't spilling out and just I don't think that's the right analogy. No, I yeah, think that was pretty good. You get, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Because like, there's so many small details that people don't realize you have to do. But the thing that's different about editing and wrestling a beast is that additionally, editing is sitting in a chair for 16 hours a day. Yeah. You're not actually wrestling. There's no blood flow happening. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> yeah, the tension you know, is building. And, and that, I think, adds so much to it. It's not an active like um, experience but it's incredibly mentally straining because you have to do something very challenging with your mind, but your body isn't moving. Right. I also think there's an ego element of it for me. Like if I'm getting really deep into an edit and it's not going how I want it to, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it the way I want it. I'm, I feel a little bit insecure about the product that I'm making and I've just spent 20 hours making it, Mm -hmm. but I'm already a little bit internally kind of pissed off that I'm not totally sure it's going to be what I want it to be. Right. And then you're already feeling that way. Someone comes up and gives you feedback about a video that you know is not the best. And you're just like, you're kind of ready to snap. Yeah. I always have to take a deep breath and just be like, they don't, they don't know what I've been doing for the last 20 hours. Mm-hmm. This is the first time they're seeing it. Let me just take it with a grain of salt and figure out how to fix it. That's one of the things I'm actually working on currently is like not being pissed when I edit, <laughs> like, <laughs> especially like with the guys when they come from like an adventure and be like, Oh, how's the edit? Like it, I need to 
stop myself from being like like angry almost that I've spent so much time in this chair trying to make this video, you know, that, you know, it's not their fault. It's not my fault. It's just like what we chose to do. Um, a good analogy that Matt Como told me actually the other night, who's an insane editor and filmmaker was the human brain was not meant to make thousands of micro decisions every single day. Mm. Like the amount of tiny little decisions that you are constantly making Mm. To the point where when I like stop and like have to get food, I don't care. Like I can't decide because I've made so many decisions that day. Yeah, I that, feel that way completely. Wow, that, I've never thought about that, but there was a time where we were in Whole Foods. Do you remember that Colin? Oh, man. Where we were editing all day and Colin like sat on the floor at Whole Foods because he couldn't decide what to get. The buffet for, for me was so overwhelming <laughs> <laughs> and my brain just stopped. And I like, yeah. I didn't know if I was going to cry. <laughs> I literally like, I was looking at the buffet and I just couldn't make any decisions or moves. And Samir had already gotten his food. He was, he was like checked out and he just looked at me and he was like, what's going on, man? Like, what? And I was like, I don't know, but I can't do this right now. Yeah, I, my brain was just done, and I feel that way anytime. I think I talked about it last week, but anytime I spend the entire day editing, and then I have to go out to like a dinner that night, I'm actually concerned about my ability to communicate. Literally, and that feels really weird. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why did I choose to spend my day this way? So much so that the one opportunity I get to speak to people, I'm so underconfident about my ability to do it because I haven't done it all day. Totally. And that always like irks me deep down. Like it re- that's really what gets me to be like, this is not right. I feel the exact same way. Yeah. Like I, I literally can't communicate after I'm like really dived in. Yeah. And I think most editors understand that feeling. Of, yeah. And, and, and just the interesting thing is that the, the, the YouTuber, like the creator, the person who does become, you know, a personality with the following and, and kind of like the modern actor or rock star mm-hmm. oftentimes is the editor. Like I, I think Casey Neistat's a great example. Like he's he's an editor, and that's what's so spectacular about him. He's a storyteller. He's an editor. He's he's also on camera. But it's so interesting that that is that that was never the thing in Hollywood, right? Totally. The, the editors were not the stars, and that's the thing. Like I think we're entering into a really new world. Like YouTube came out what ten fifteen years ago. There wasn't editing before that. You know, no one was making these quirky little edits. They're making films and movies and like things that take years to make right and once you're done you take a, like a long couple months break but it wasn't this constant and i think i'll show you that's all right hello andreas hello yeah, yeah. andreas ham just walked in with the <laughs> andreas the, are you just eating mcdonald's the third time i've seen him wow. postmates mcdonald's <laughs> yeah so again healthy lifestyle something about editors. norwegians yeah. they eat <laughs> the worst crap <laughs> and are still somehow healthy and like fit. I mean, yeah, so, Andreas looks so fit. Yeah. So and- Andreas is a great example of what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Like someone who, who really is like when I watch his videos, it's like watching a, a film, right? Literally. But they're, but they're yeah. short. Such and a he, magician. And he can put but. them out rapidly, but then he's also on camera. And so he's also the, the guy mm-hmm. like that is such a different element to today because now the desire to communicate a message and connect with people relies not only on your ability to speak to a camera or turn on a camera, but also in your ability to edit. So the really fun part about all of this, in my opinion, is building a community. The really fun part about it is when you put out a video and people start commenting and you can like respond to them and you can react and like you're building this cool online community. So I think that's also probably why when you press publish, especially for for you who's distributing something to millions of people who are part of this really strong community with a belief system, 
like that feeling is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure. Uh, and it, it kind of built up because I mean, when I first started editing, we get like a few thousand views. Right. And that was the, so it's, it's not like all of a sudden it was very gradual, even though it's only been like three years, but I'm sorry. I'm not sure what I'm answering. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was just saying that, that, that the feeling of building a community and the feeling of connecting with an audience is so powerful that it makes you forget about how hard the week was oftentimes. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I'll see on Instagram, like meetups of yes fam and like all over the world, people talking and hanging out and like going on new adventures together. And that like, that's what makes it for me. Like I never got into yes theory because I thought these guys are cool. I was like, this message is cool. And I really want to support the message. You're like, these guys are nerds. <laughs> yeah. These guys suck. <laughs> but the message is cool. <laughs> that's why I'm kind of like, <laughs> I'm usually the voice whenever videos get too personal. I'm like, guys, but you know, think like, Let's try to make this more broad, hmm, <laughs> even though these types of videos are important because right. it does reveal more like relatable, personal stuff that people can understand. I mean, it is fascinating. Like you guys just hit 4 million subscribers every Sunday for the most part. You are hitting the masses with a positive message on a Sunday. That's a crazy thing out of this building right here. Yeah. When you press publish, like you're hitting millions of repeat viewers who are there for the same type of thing every week. I think that's a fascinating power. It's like the first of its kind, which is why it's almost incomprehensible. Like I, I have no idea the amount of impact this will have. And I don't think any of us really will Mm. until like 10 years from now, we'll see the ripple and, you know, people creating different things because they watched it or, you know, going after that one thing that turned into an opportunity, just endless. So that's what makes it all worth it, honestly. And that's the, the reason I, I came on. Hmm. It's almost like what Casey Neistat did to the YouTube era for encouraging people to pick up a camera and sort of document their life mm-hmm. in a certain style. You guys are now doing in by way of encouraging people to try something that scares them. And, and that's really interesting because it doesn't actually have to do with video. It just has to do with what's happening in your daily life. For sure. Yeah. So, so when you when you first started and when things started picking up, um, it's a two part question. What was the dream outcome, and are you currently living it? Interesting. Um, the dream outcome was always to be able to sustain ourselves. Like for the longest time, we were eating. I mean, these guys had it hard because they started it and they had it. The first year was the hardest, and I wasn't part of that. So I. I don't fully understand the um, difficulty it was in starting Yes Theory. But when I joined on, they had like 10,000 subscribers. And we were obviously not making enough money to support all four or five of us. Um, But, sorry, I forgot your question again. Just what was the dream outcome at that time? Yeah, sustainability. And now that we've achieved it, it is really amazing that we don't have to worry about, you know, these side things that we forgot that we worried about, you know, like we don't have to worry about thinking of getting jobs because this is our job and we do make enough money to sustain ourselves. So all those minor worries are gone. Um, the bigger worry for me is how long do I want to do this and, and how can I almost change? Cause I've been doing the same thing rel- and I have improved in my ability in the past few years, like very, um, subtly. You ever get that, like, when you look back on videos that you made a few years ago, you're like, wow, I can't believe I made that. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. That happens to me all the time. 
Yeah, totally. I, I think if you're if that doesn't happen though, then you're like too gun shy with your with your mm. videos. Right. Like you should you should you should have that experience for sure. If you look back four years ago and you're like. Yeah, I'm still doing that thing. Yeah. You know, you should like evolve And I can't believe I'll have let a clip hang for right. five extra seconds. Yeah. And now I would, it would irk me so much. I would never let a clip go on that long. When I watch like old yesterday videos, I literally can't sit through it. Cause I'm like, this is so badly edited. Yeah. <laughs> so, to it, yeah. so you were saying that you're, you're trying to figure out how long this can go. Right. For you. For sure. And I think. I mean, back then we didn't have the the finances to hire editors, so it was very much, as much more panic then than I am now because I was like, I'm the only one that can, you know, do this. I don't mind like not being paid, like, mm-hmm. for however long I don't need to be paid for because, this channel just needs to grow enough to the point where we can be, you know, making a living. So, now that the difficulty is hiring editors that I can trust almost to like keep it going forward. Um, and then figuring out like what I want to do next in terms of within yes theory. I definitely want to keep editing videos a few days a week, but I need something different to do as well to make that more interesting and fun. Cause if my life is just editing, then I'll hate it and I don't want to hate it. You know, I want it to be like a fun part of my week and then do something else. And that's what I'm still figuring out honestly is what is that something else and what will, you know, make me as enthusiastic as editing did before. I was describing this to my dad. My dad is, is, is a businessman. He's an entrepreneur, but he's also a designer, clothing designer. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of his business has been scaled. A lot of people take on all the different tasks that he did when he was just a solo designer and solo businessman. But one thing that's actually never been taken on by someone else is the design of the clothing. And I turned to him because he was asking me why it's so hard to bring on editors to just do the thing that you want them to do. Mm-hmm. And I first started telling him, I was like, well, it's kind of like, I, I think in the YouTube era, it's like handing someone else the paintbrush to paint your painting and put your name on it, right? Which is kind of this weird feeling. Mm-hmm. But I also turned to him and I was like, and also you've never really hired a designer to design your clothes. There's always that one piece of the craft that's very personal. Right. And especially on YouTube, it's like it's an incredibly personal connection from the footage to the audience of what happens in between there. And finding someone who can have the same feeling as all of you guys, that would require them to go through everything you went through. Literally. And that is impossible. And this thing will scale and it will grow and you guys will find people, but the expectation that it will be the same, it just, it's not likely because the design of my dad's clothes, that's 45 years of struggle, creativity, ideas. That's all baked in there, right? Mm-hmm. The the edits of our videos, that's seven years of, of working together. The edits of your videos, that's the four years of, of going through this together. So it's like, it's very hard and you want so badly for it to be personal and to, to, to breathe a brand, uh, into, into the edit and into the, into the video itself. But it's a very challenging thing to do. Totally. I mean, it's gone to the point where almost the yes theory style was, is my style. Right. Like I, I like created it. 
so it's weird to give the reins to so I am the creator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it not is, in the, yeah. Um, in terms of, yeah, in terms of... You like, have to get someone to think talent. like you and make yeah. micro decisions like you. Exactly. And that's the hardest part. Like, even when we... Um, the way that we hire editors is basically we give them all the footage and see what they make and out of, like, the raw footage from episodes. And it's insane the amount of variety that comes back. Like, right. it's just, like, totally edited, to like, night and day videos. So... I don't think people realize just how differently videos can be edited and what the variety can be and how specific our editing style is, but it is. And yeah, it's all, it's tough to like kind of give the reins to someone else because you want to be there doing it, but you also don't because it's hard and right. it takes a toll it's on you. It's difficult to yeah. communicate yeah. your vision yeah. sometimes. I, I liken it to uh, like my, uh, I remember my English teacher in high school used to say like every word counts in your paper. And I think in, uh, in editing every single second, like every frame is important actually. Mm -hmm. And like the difference between having six frames of a shot versus 12, like really can make a difference or something like timing and all these things are so important. And a lot of times you just have to feel them out as you're editing. You can't tell someone there's no rule like that like stands for every type of clip that you can just deliver to someone. Yeah. It's like, it's a real feeling. Yeah. Exactly. And again, just to be clear, th the main reason is because we, anyone who's making a YouTube video doesn't have like a script in front of them or like a guide of here's, here's the next section of this video that you need to do. Mm -hmm. You're also the writer. Yeah. <laughs> You're also the writer of these. Yeah. Right. And so there's this additional layer, like you said, you know, you, you've kind of created this style of a video. There's like two layers to yes theory, in my opinion. There's the actual adventures that happen or the, the message that's lived out, the lifestyle that's happening, um, then the capturing of that lifestyle. But then there's the filmmaking, like mm -hmm. the storytelling of that lifestyle. And that, that all together is what makes this grow so fast. But that filmmaking style is like a whole nother piece of the puzzle, right? And right. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's a very um, subtle piece mm -hmm. of the puzzle. Like, you, yeah. You don't notice it until you're looking for it. Right. And I think editors understand that. That's always such a good feeling, though. Yeah. Because you feel like you're putting a puzzle together that doesn't have a set destination. Like, it doesn't mm -hmm. have, a, it doesn't have a, a, a blueprint where it's exactly supposed to go. But there are certain moves that you make where you're like, oh, yeah, that, that's 100% right mm -hmm. when you put something into place. So now when we talk about working in teams, like, it's not always easy to work in, in teams together. But I think actually going through that Wim Hof doc together was like a really fun bonding experience as long as hard as it was. Yeah. It was kind of this interesting bonding experience. What, what's your take on uh, you can you can also go into like the most annoying thing about working with Colin and Samira. But just one one thing about working. Yeah, with, like maybe give us the real. Yeah, just give us like, give us the ooh, real yeah. life. Shoot us straight, man. Yeah. Shoot us straight. You guys want to lose subscribers? Yeah. Sure, I'm not afraid, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think. I mean, the reason that we brought you guys on again for this doc is because you did a great job with Guatemala. And, like, it's so hard to find competent editors <laughs> um, that when we found you guys, we're like, oh, thank God. Like, someone who's reliable. Mm. So, and you aren't reliable in the sense of, like, VFX, whatever, but in storytelling. And that's extremely important, especially for longer form stuff like this, which we needed. Um, and that was, like, the first time I've ever... Wim Hof was the first time I ever like split up a video like that. Yeah. Other, it was always just, you know, Thomas and I, or just me. Um, so that was cool to see it work out 
I was actually honestly kind of surprised that it worked out. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we had never done anything together, yeah. so it was kind of interesting. And we just, we, I think it only worked because we had such a short amount of time. Right. We just had to do it. Like, mm-hmm. it was just like, okay, every minute counts right now. We just have to do it. For sure. So, yeah, yeah I thought you were going to say a couple of no, things no, no, about you, working I mean, with us. But, dude, you know, I literally think, Colin, thought, you're better, better than I am. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe that at all. I, I thought like, you were going to talk about your annoyance with our acronyms. or. Oh, my God. <laughs> do you want me to go on that path? Because I'll go on that path. <laughs> yeah, man. Go ahead, man. We just storyboarded yesterday. <laughs> the amount of, what was it? What was the one that for the morning called? EMWJP1V2. So imagine hearing that and then having to understand what scene he's talking about. It's lunacy. It's it's heresy. <laughs> Erroneous. Erroneous on both accounts. Yeah. So anyway, our our storyboarding process is uh, has has come together as a uh, is a very interesting process that that we've done and it's uh, a lot of fun. It's a great guys, time. Yeah. How do you guys plan, shoot, edit videos? Like who does what? Well, it it depends on what type of video it is. Hmm. Yeah, it depends on like recently we've been doing these longer form like hefty projects, which requires us to storyboard a lot and yeah. and craft the puzzle and like that's one of my favorite write parts. Rewrite and yeah, that, what we did yesterday morning was one of my it's one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. Yeah. It's like figuring out what the scenes are and how they flow and what happens. Um, should, the, should we explain though what, what he was talking about with the acronyms? Early morning jungle wake up part one so version as, two as we're planning EMWJ. As we, are, as we are planning out I'm losing my mind. the documentaries and choosing which scenes go where, we come up with nicknames for the scenes mm-hmm. that then turn very quickly to acronyms. Mm-hmm. And from there, it can just keep going. So you've got to be really quick because, you know, waking up in the jungle turns into early morning jungle rise and shine. No, that's not. Well, no, not, no, this is just like. But don't if, confuse me because you know we're I mean? also in the middle of this project. I, but as there's an example, no rise and shine, and then that can turn into <laughs> EMJR. You know, you know what I'm saying. What I Colin's what not I noticed great at the acronyms. Was the most apparent was yeah. there was one scene with a bat. Yeah. And you guys named that scene Batman. <laughs> there is a scene with a spider, and you named it Spidey Tingle. <laughs> this is insanity just, what would you call that yeah. scene by the way i would way. call it the spider scene and i would call it the bat scene <laughs> like a normal well, maybe being. have a little creativity <laughs> yeah expand your yeah, mind ever heard you know? of being creative man yeah um, so that i mean that was an interesting aspect of working with you guys is these acronyms but honestly it's it's great and it's been really fun having you guys around here helping us create the story it's a really fun time and i think like when i think about filmmaking what keeps bringing me back is those moments of sitting together and trying to solve this problem together with a group of people. Yeah. I think the biggest challenge is when you're alone and trying to do that for long periods of time, it feels very overwhelming because it's, it's problem solving. That's a little bit subjective and you don't know what, like how your personal opinion on this problem, like you want feedback on it. And so being in a room with, with five of us uh, yesterday morning storyboarding and trying to solve the problem and crack the code on this story, we're probably going to do that again and again and again. And having this group of people together, this is my, that's my favorite part of filmmaking. It's what makes me want to look at that and sit down and edit some of those scenes to see how they all fit together and see if we solve the puzzle or not. That's, that's when it gets really fun. Um, and what I think keeps bringing me back to the process because there's so many times where I'm sitting for 10 hours and I'm like, I'm not, this is not, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be sitting here. I think you more than me have said, I'll never do that again. Yeah. I mean, I, I, cause I, I, in our first business, I didn't edit that much once you came on board. Yeah. 
I edited the first couple months to get it off the I ground. I was but pretty you much were the what ed- Titty is. Exactly, yeah. It's a yes theory, yeah. You were, he was kind of, a, we, we called him the creative director because he was basically directing anything that was creative coming out of our office to the other, to anyone else, whether it was graphic design or videos or whatever. And I kind of moved into a, a, a more business role, which was meeting, drafting contracts. There was still a lot of like sitting, but it wasn't like those heavy, heavy micro decisions. And it's exhausting and it's it's not only mentally exhausting, but I think it's the biggest challenge for me coming back to editing has been physical. Like I feel less in shape than I've ever felt in my life because mm. I sit all the time. My shoulders messed up because I'm like hunched over and shrugging all the time. And I, I look at the situation and I have this incredible respect for everyone who sits and does it because it's so hard. And I have no idea how you balance. Like I think especially us like the young generation of filmmakers, I think it's very hard to understand what is balance in this lifestyle. I think also balance for your time. I, yeah. I was watching some of the footage that you guys took last night and I and you guys just happened to catch an interesting conversation about telling your respective girlfriends how much time you have right. left <laughs> until you'll be home. Oh, man. And so you'll, you'd say, yeah, I'll be home in an hour. Yeah. And then six hours later, yeah. you're still in the edit. And that is, that's a real concern in terms of just being able to plan out your life, even just a little bit, like just to even have a remote idea of when you're going to be able to do things. And especially when you have another person that you're kind of held accountable for and that you do want to be there for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. It's really hard. It's been, I, mean, I, I, I have no idea how you <laughs> are in a relationship. Yeah, <laughs> like, this whole time. I think the fact that you have a girlfriend means that like anybody can have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> That was so Not because you're not an incredible candidate, but because your schedule is really crazy. Yeah. I mean, first off, she's extremely patient <laughs> as she has to be, but she also has a life of her own and she does her own really right. awesome projects and companies and stuff like that. But to the point of, Hey, I'll be there in an hour. Oof. And then five hours later, you're like, Hey, uh, so I know I said that, but <laughs> I'm still in this chair, um, working away and yeah, um, yeah, I, don't, I almost don't know how to respond to that because yeah. th- there's not much control you feel very out of control because I have such a hard time understanding how long an edit will take me because I'll be like, Oh, then one, like one more thing and then, Oh, this thing too. And then next thing you know, three hours have passed. One more thing in editing can translate to five hours. Which is incredible. Like one more minor detail can translate to four to five hours. And that's, that's the thing. It's like, it is that like wild creative space that you need to go to as well. There's like two things that happen. One's more of like a technical thing. And one's like just this kind of, oh, let me try this. And I think editing is like an iceberg almost. Like you only see the top, but the amount of decisions that you made below it that didn't end up making the cut is enormous um like the amount of things i try i'm like oh no never mind thousands of times a day yeah that's interesting you literally have to make thousands of bad decisions literally to keep finding one right yeah i like that so do you i know you've been the subject of quite a few yes theory videos (laughs) like some some of my favorite ones like when you shaved your head and eyebrows to become a monk that was uh to do that that was great (laughs) that was that was one hell of a day that was just (laughs) Fantastic. Also, the Japan video. Um, you're, I think you're heavily featured in that one. Yeah, the yeah. for the art. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. 
that was very cool. And I, maybe I'm thinking of you made a separate video, like a Super 8 video on your own Instagram. Oh, uh, I just yeah. took a picture of it. Didn't you anyway. pose nude too? Did I pose nude? No, that no, was, was Thomas' brother. brother. Oh, that was Thomas' okay. brother. It's funny, but, I, I, I think of that. Yeah. <laughs> what do you <laughs> mean? Most people would be like, no, I, I, never, I never post nude. But that's actually you would actually I'm think like, that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm part of yesterday, so probably somewhere in there. So I, I'm just curious. The uh, do you have a desire to be more involved in the trips, the adventures, the videos, and and be a part of like whether it's on camera or not, but even just like the guys, you know, Matt, your brothers in Hawaii this week, right, or this weekend. Uh, do do you have a desire to do that, or do you like being in one place? It's an interesting question because. Like I, I don't have a desire or not desire to be on camera, and I think it's like kind of the same with the guys. Like, none of us crave, you know, being the subject of these videos, but someone has to be right to to launch that message. And for me, I think the main thing I need is like a break <laughs> to really think about what I do want. And being in front of the camera has never been like, like I I, I don't mind doing it, and I think it's really fun, but. I think it's also about finding creative outlets for me besides editing, whether that be being in front of the camera or like organizing stuff or like doing behind the scenes, you know, stuff that's not editing Mm. is part of it. So to answer your question, not necessarily, but I basically do need something different from editing that will make me more enthusiastic to edit when I do edit. And more enthusiastic to do that thing. Mm. I'm doing that thing, whatever it is. Do you have any sort of desire or along the path, have you had any um, desire to be more more of a known member of the group publicly? Um, no. It's it's more so... Uh, it's an interesting question because... It's like I think that has a lot to do with ego. Yeah. And... And now, whenever I think like, God damn it, I'm, fuck, can I swear? Yeah, you yeah, just yeah. did. I mean, uh, you just yeah. did. So, <laughs> kind of it. and I'm not gonna edit it out. Great. I don't like editing. So. Yeah, I mean, to be fully honest, when I'm editing and I've been sitting in that chair for like 12 to 15 hours, and these guys are going on ventures, and the comments are all like, "Wow, these guys are awesome. You guys are doing so much cool stuff," and then people don't know who I am. Like, it does hurt the ego for sure. But I always think back to like this thing is not about them. It's not about me. It's about the impact that I'll have on that person watching. And whether that be, they think like, Oh, it's these three guys doing all this crazy work and adventure or like these four guys doesn't make a difference. Cause at the end of the day, the impact comes from how they will go out into the world with a different perspective and, you know, seek discomfort and literally go after the message that we're preaching. So that's pretty evolved. Yeah. I mean, how old are you? I'm 22. 22. I mean, that's that's a pretty evolved point of view. Mm. Um, I, I ask you the question because I think it would be hard for me. I think I look at the situation and I'd be like, that would be hard for me to not be more publicly known as a uh, as someone who's a part of the, the company, the group, the brand. Not that you're not. Obviously, you are very involved in everything. You like people definitely know who you are as a part of the group but not on a regular basis it's not reinforced that like Mm -hmm. you know when you close your eyes and think yes theory most likely you think of the three guys right now sure yeah right and i mean to be fully honest sometimes it does hurt like i got someone sent me a message yesterday saying 
I have posters about the four million. Someone sent me a message saying, "Oh, I forgot the Ibrahim Partyes theory." Mm. I'm mm. like, "Damn, dude! Like, this is my life. This has been my life right? for three years," um, which hurts. But I, I think about it and I move past that. And instead of like, you know, trying to be on camera and trying to be more known, I don't think that's anything productive. I think yeah. that will lead to us doing better if I'm on camera. Um, so I'm trying to think of like ways to. Fulfill myself personally and not really care about that. And honestly, like I have plenty of recognition more so than so many other editors, right? The amount of editors who do such a better job than I do and don't get any feedback or recognition or praise is is insane. It's funny from an editor's perspective. When I think of yes theory, you're one of the first people I actually think of. Like really, (laughs) that comes into my mind. And I think obviously it's because we have a working relationship and I know like the behind the scenes. And because we get to like, not, I mean, not everyone actually Basically, no one uh, of the Yes Theory fan base gets to walk in here and watch just a normal day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although we could turn the Nest Cam on and do one day live stream post-production editing room. Wow, that'd be so fun. That actually would be really cool. That would but, be fun. I actually yeah, would yeah. enjoy that. Just we should to see. That. We should go live on our channel for an entire day. It should just be called Behind the Scenes. And we can just pop in from time to time and yeah. see what the comments are saying. Yeah. I mean, that actually would be really fun. That'd be great if people see the process. We could start a Twitch channel. Yeah. We have a Twitch channel. We have a Twitch channel. We have a Twitch channel. We have a Twitch. We've never We're Twitched. Twitchers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so we're called TikTok no. Tic Tac. I commend you guys for using these platforms because we are so like youtube instagram whatever but uh, like whenever you guys are like on twitter mm. like using the platform to its full extent i think it's awesome and you guys do that really good job of that. i'm twittering all the time tweeting oh, oh yeah. tweeting yeah <laughs> whoops um, but oh, yeah. I, I don't want to go too far away from yeah you know what you were just talking about because i actually think it's it's awesome that you're sharing and that emotion is i think just it's just real you know like i, yeah. I that was one of the things i thought about on the way here i was like i'm sure that affects you in some way it does. It does. Um, you know, especially when, yeah. I don't know. It's so ego driven that I try to really avoid that feeling and think more of like, am I happy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that being said, yeah. I mean, we're human beings and ego. Comes yeah, into of course. Play. I mean, uh, I, I've honestly thought about that a lot. There's been a lot of times when I uh, no longer want to be on camera anymore i'm just like this is just not something i want in my mm-hmm. life like i didn't it doesn't give me that much joy sometimes i think when you edit yourself like i find more scrutiny in it and i sit and just like edit myself and i've i've envisioned worlds where i'm like well maybe i'll just edit for samir mm. i don't think i've ever told you this but i think you said it in passing but i've thought about it before time, where yeah. it's like what if i'm just samir's editor because we're so close and i understand him and like what if he just builds a world like for himself and I'm just the editor and sometimes I show up maybe and people right. know I edit his films. But then I also think like, man, like I think there'd be a lot of ego. And if like Samir really blows up and like Dude. life is super dope and the reality of it is like he would be the, he's the face of this. So, like you, you go and do all the cool shit and then you're like, Oh man, I don't, I don't get to do that. Like, Dude, I'd bring you as a plus one. Titty brought me as a plus one to El Mill's birthday party. That was great. That was great. Yeah. That was a good time, actually. That was so funny. It was like a, a room full of early 20, late teen kids. And, and Samir. Very yeah. old <laughs> man with a fiance at home That's waiting for him. Yeah. I think we forget how old we are. Yeah. Not that we're super old. Like I still consider us young. Yeah, yeah of course. But in this yeah. world. Wait, by the way, we all keep saying I'm 30. I'm not 30. I'm in my 20s, dude. You're 30. Let's just be clear. Ooh, yeah. beef. Okay. I'm 29. Shots fired. Yeah. Looks like it's just the, the Samir channel now. Yeah. 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 All right, dude, dude, I'll just edit the pod. Yeah. <laughs> 
Save it the pod. Um, <laughs> we're on the pod. Oh, right. We can't yeah. save it for the pod if we're already on the pod. That's a fair point. Um, yeah. No, I mean, that that, that that point also, what you said, is like uh, the the main part of all of this, and I talked to your brother, brother about this the other day. We walked around the block just to like take a break and, and just talk. And one thing we... Me and, and your brother always talk about like what our goals are and our dreams. And for me, one thing I've tried to reflect on the most is that being in that room downstairs, working with you guys on the documentary, I'm living out a dream. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to reflect on it because you think like, oh, I want I want to be this like this big creator or this whatever. But like we get to create things on a pretty big scale with people that we really like. Like this is the thing. As long as I can keep doing this thing whenever I want to do it, that's my that's like the dream uh, for me. And it's hard to reflect on. You know, when I think about making the Wim Hof piece, like we made a doc and five million people watched the doc. That was a huge goal. And we got to do it. And we got to do it with people that we really liked. Um, but you brought up, I, I thought about that when you brought up like, am I fulfilled? Because it's hard to reflect when you're constantly working if you are fulfilled or not. And so my question to you is, have you thought about that? Are you happy? Are you fulfilled right now? Uh, the thing is, everything you just said about like this being the dream, absolutely, like 100%. And I think it's hard for me to tell whether I'm fulfilled because I'm so in it. And I have been so in it for so long. Like, right. I've just been constantly drowning. And even I'm not thinking, I'm not editing, I'm thinking about editing. And I'm taking a break, I'm thinking about when the break ends and I'll have to start editing again. So I haven't truly had a time to like look back and be like, all right, this is an amazing life I have and I really you know, should appreciate it and not look at so much of the negatives and really focus on the positives of it. Because it is an extremely lucky life that I'm living. Like we're living such lucky lives. Um, and so when I, when I complain about all these things, like it's with that in mind as well. Like that, I'm extremely fortunate. Totally. These these are all problems that we're privileged to have. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like to even be dealing with these type of issues, these are privileged issues for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's an, it's an incredible experience. Right. But the only thing is finding that balance, and I think it's really hard to find that balance when a you're posting every week and b yeah, it's just constant. Um. So. Yeah. Do you feel a lot more pressure as the channel's gotten bigger? Like when it's like, oh, now we have 4 million and we've worked with Will Smith and all these other people now are exposed to us. Does it feel like the world is watching every time you press publish? Yeah, but I think it's a different kind of pressure. I think before it was like, we have to make this video. Otherwise, like we're screwed and we're not making any money. and We don't eat. We're not growing the channel. Yeah, we don't eat. (laughs) There you go. We're not making rent. So now it's more like, yeah, it is kind of funny whenever we hit publish. I've... It's funny. I hit publish for the um, the Will Smith, the guys were bungee jumping, and I hit publish for the Will Smith challenge video. And as I did it, I was like, "Holy shit! Here we go!" <laughs> <laughs> like, here's a message to Will Smith. I was like, "Okay, I'm alone in the house, but all right, boom." <laughs> and next week, he's like, "All right, Grand Canyon." <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it is kind of funny having that pressure, but I really don't think about it too much because yeah. you know, fuck it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, nice. and the thing is, since we post every week, if one video does badly or is messed up in some way, people will forget about it by the next week. Yeah. So that's something that Jack Jack Coyne said to us just he, when he gave us advice. He was like, just publish more so you don't hold every video. So like high on a pedestal. Yeah. Then if you publish one a month, then like you're going to think about that video all month. And that's the thing about fulfillment is that 
for I'd say like 95% of the videos that I make probably even a hundred like there's more stuff I want to do to it but just don't have time Hmm. and so that leads back to the question of am I fulfilled (laughs) and I am in terms of like growing the channel and having this be successful but in terms of like almost the artistry of editing artistry (laughs) (laughs) yes Mm. um go on not fully and it's hard for me to like become a better editor in terms of the things I want to do because I have to do all the stuff to right. make the video in the first place. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. I mean, your your job, the job is really to get it out as good as possible, not to make the best film. Like the the time is more important than the quality. For sure. And that's that's the the reality of YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to end I'm going to end with this thought, this musing. Um when we went skydiving together for Amar's birthday, you decided to pull the shoot yourself. And I yeah. thought that that was a really interesting and, and kind of cool decision. And it's a little bit of a metaphor for taking your life into your own hands, right? You're responsible for, for pulling the shoot. Mm-hmm. So as you look forward, how do you pull your own shoot in this situation? How do you mitigate against burnout? How do you take all this stuff into control? And, and just be like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to find that balance. I'm going to be creatively fulfilled. Like, what does that look like moving forward? I think for a long time, I saw my problems as being like, yes, there is problems. Like I'm editing. So the guys will figure this out for me, you know, since I'm he- stuck here and they have more time than I do, it'll be figured out. And that's not the reality of the situation. The reality is you need to take yourself out of the hole that you've made you need to be fulfilled in your own terms because no one else is going to do that for you. And that goes back to the parachute thing of, you know, taking life into your own hands. I think I, I read like, um, a book I was reading was, uh, an author who became successful overnight, basically, um, fuck, can I, can we delete this? <laughs> delete. Maybe we'd call this podcast episode deleting this podcast. <laughs> deleting this podcast. Yeah. That'd um, be a good, people would click on maybe it. Maybe not really. This famous author who was, whose name escapes me basically said he took all of his problems. He had, cause he had really physical problems and he like took full responsibility for them. And the year after he did that, his life, like he skyrocketed as a writer. So I think it's taking full responsibility for being happy and not depending on anyone else and not waiting for someone else to make that happen for you is the main thing. Pull your own shoot. Pull it. Although I did have kind of a panic attack when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> that was free I mean, I was man. like, yo, that's really brave, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I don't think I want to pull my own shoot. Like, whoever, I might do that next time. If whoever this stranger is who's attached to me, I want you to pull the shoot. <laughs> I've actually thought a lot about skydiving and like doing it again. You do it again? You heard it here first. Colin <laughs> wants to skydive again. I liked it. It's not bad. All right, guys. Well, dude, thank you so much for jumping on the pod. Yeah, thanks for having me. I don't me, think dude. this is the last time we'll have you on the pod. Uh, probably. That makes sense. Yeah, we'll <laughs> probably have you again. And uh, we are in the process of making our next movie together, August 11th. You can sign up to get early access, yestheory.com slash documentary. Mm-hmm. And you'll see the fruits of our labor together. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, see, uh... you'll see what we're all working on. Exactly. And you'll definitely see EMJ Dubs V1 P2. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 
That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. Thanks so much for TD for jumping on the podcast with us. Make sure to check him out on Instagram at Thomas Daher. That's D-A-J-E-R. It's really great to be able to have these conversations with creators that we respect and, and that we can relate to. And we got a lot of great feedback from last week's episode from a ton of other creators. And that's something that's that's really exciting for us. And that's the reason why we love this podcast. We are currently editing our latest documentary with TD and the guys at Yes Theory, and that will come out on August 11th. You can actually sign up to get early access at yestheory.com slash documentary. All right, make sure to review the podcast, leave us a voice message on Anchor, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to us on YouTube, and we will be back here next week for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.